Hey, Catherine. Yeah, Christy. What do you call a man who has finished digging? I don't know. Doug? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that is so bad. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Christy. And hello, gardeners everywhere. Yes, hello, everybody. And wannabe gardeners. Yes, you too. And people who say, no heck in the world am I gardening, but for some reason I like the show. Exactly. (laughs) Catherine, you are a podcaster now. I know. I know. This is my second one. This is really, this is great fun and really exciting and a little nerve wracking. Oh, you're doing fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say that, but yeah. And I'm excited this week to talk about no dig gardening. I am excited that we're talking about it too, because it's something that I'm doing in my front yard. And I'm excited to share what I have learned so far by trial and error, and also some of the research I've done, where it came from. It, it really is a fascinating process. Well, folks are in for a treat today. And, you know, we've kind of talked about the topic on and off for a little bit over the last couple of years, but we've never done such a deep dive into it before. And I think it's very timely, especially in the state of Colorado, with the new legislation that will go into place the beginning of next July, July 23, um, that the state, I think it's a state, yeah, it's a state, is willing to pay people to convert their lawns into another landscaping project. Yeah, you can um, make money on it. Yes, exactly. There are people in California and Nevada that are doing that. Right. Making tens of thousands of dollars. And I think that that's just a brilliant idea and another step for us all to be more thoughtful in our consumption of the natural resources we have at hand, i.e. water. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That yeah. is that is such the truth. Yes. Um, well, before we get into that, I do have a little garden musing to share with you, Oh, Catherine. please. Uh, Catherine, here's my question for you. Do you ever make out with your plants? I'm not sure what you mean <laughs> Do by... Do you ever like getting a big kissing session with your plants? Not that I've been sober enough to remember. (laughs) Well, according to Tree.com, they did a survey and they found out that, um, first of all, 48% of people report that they talk to their plants. I do do that. I always thank them for the bounty they share with me. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Um, One in five say they speak to their plants every day. I don't know that I do it every day, but as I said, every time I go and pick tomatoes, I thank them and I do tell the sunflowers they're beautiful. So I guess I do do that. Yeah. Well, one in four say they have kissed their plants. I had a big crab apple tree in my front yard (laughs) that I used to kiss and hug and beg her to live forever because she was beautiful. But I would do that when I was influenced by the full moon and some (laughs) sort of... Beverage made from fermented grapes, yes. Were you wearing clothes, Catherine? Yes, oh, I was okay, fully okay. closed. Just to make sure I get the complete it, it was the front yard, yes. Okay, yeah. okay, great. Yeah, I talked to my plants too, but that one in four of people who say they've kissed their plants, I must be missing out on something. I, but you've kissed a crabapple tree, so. Yes, well, but she was big and huge and old and she was absolutely gorgeous, yes. So, Did she make it? No, she didn't. Ah. She fell to the saw in the fall of 2019, but she was very diseased. But the arborist that I had was fantastic in terms of helping me help her live as long as possible. And his suspicion was it had been planted with the house, so it was well over 50 years old. And, you know, they do have a... They don't... Trees don't live forever. No, they don't. They have a lifespan just like all of us, yes. I remember that crabapple tree. Yes, and it was a major reason why I bought the house that I bought. Because oh. it was such spectacular shade on the east side of the house. Mm. And when she was in full bloom, she was just gorgeous. Yeah. 
Well, if anybody else there kisses their plants, we want to hear from you. Yes, please. Please share your stories with us. Uh, keep them clean, folks. Okay. Oh, and I also wanted to say, um, folks, if you have never considered becoming a member of the Garden Party, won't you? You're a member of the Garden Party, Catherine. Yes, I am a member of the Garden Party. And, you know, you get lovely little perks, but it just makes you feel good that you are sponsoring or helping the show stay alive and, and happening. And it just it's a good feeling. Uh, and if you are a member of the Garden Party, that just means, right, that you're a sponsor, a patron. You throw us a couple bucks a month so that we can keep doing the podcast because there are expenses. Of course there are. Surrounding it. Right. You know, we have our caviar and our champagne that we must have. I thought we weren't going to tell people about those. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Matt, my bad. And depending on what level you're at, you could get some free merch. Exactly. Like a coffee cup. You've got a coffee cup. cup. I have a coffee cup, yes. And, or t-shirt. Right. And the t-shirts are lovely, by by the way. Yeah, they're good they quality. Are, yes. Um, and you also can, depending on what level, you can get seeds yes. from our gardens. So um, this year we gave away seeds for like flowers and herbs and right. veggies and so. And I got some of the marigold seeds, yes. Oh, did they turn out okay for you? That, so-so. It just, it was hard to get seeds started in June this year. Yeah. You know, it just got hot too fast and I wasn't on top of keeping them That's moist. what happened to my zinnias, too. Yeah. They would, they, I would, I could get them started. Right. They'd get about so high. Yeah. And then I would come out the next day and they would be gone. So I don't know if yeah, it I had that too. bunnies or bugs or exactly. aliens or whatever. Or but, just yeah. drying up and disappearing. Yeah. Well, Catherine, how else is your garden going? My garden is doing very well. And I wanted to add, I made a trip to Southwest Gardens about a week ago. Oh, that's our wonderful sponsor. Yes, and it was such a delight because it's one of those old-fashioned greenhouses. Mm. Uh, and it just and the people who work there are so knowledgeable. And oh my god, the the selection of succulents they have. Oh, Cacti that's the truth. Just outstanding. Yeah, Carrie, that's his expertise are succulents. Right. And I turned out I found out that Carrie used to work with a friend of mine, Joan Zen who owned Hannigan's Greenhouses, which was down on Ogden and East Evans. Is it is that one gone now? That one is gone now, I was yes. thinking, like, that's yes. what's so precious about your neighborhood nursery. Exactly. Because they are disappearing one by one by one. Exactly. And if you get stuff from a local nursery, they... They, they're, they're, the staff is so much more knowledgeable. So they, much more they knowledgeable. They take care of the plants. Oh, my God. So the plants are in much better condition. You're spending a couple pennies more. Exactly. But their plants will last longer. And they know the product, and they also carried Southwest. I was pleased. They had a wide variety of different kinds of mulches and also um, manure, cow compost manure options. So, again, for me, it's the knowledge that the people who work there mm. have that bring to the table that is so so valuable. And they'll have more variety of things, too. Oh, yes. I agree. Like, when we talked about last week, like, Grub Gone and Beetle Gone. Yes. I can't find that in the in the big box no. store, but you can find that in your local nursery. That's exactly right. Yes. But other things happening in my garden. So, I have a small strawberry patch, and as was noted on Upside Down Tulips two years ago, I believe it was, that I... Cut everything back, ground level, Mm -hmm. put a bunch of compost on it, gave it a huge, huge drink of water, and walked away. And yesterday, I realized there was a teeny, tiny, lone little strawberry there. (laughs) But I ate it, and it was so yummy. Oh, good. Oh, good. The one strawberry. The one strawberry. But I got it before the squirrels, so that was a positive. Um. The squirrels have discovered my tomatoes. Ah, oh, those yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I built a cage around two of my um, black crims, I believe they are, that uh-huh. my heirlooms. Those are so, such a pretty tomato. They're pretty, and they're also just so good. Um, so I did that. I tied up my sunflowers because, as we know, when they get really tall, they drape yes. over. Yes. Oh, so now I tied mine up, but they still droop over. The tops do. So I kind of corral mine. I, I would, the way mine grow, I can tie, um, twine around the fence and then I make a big walk around where the sunflowers are uh-huh. and then I tie the other side to the fence oh, okay. and I pull it as tight as possible. And I try to get them about, oh, I would say about four, between four feet to five feet uh-huh. on them. And then I pull them up that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we're done, will you come into the backyard, please? And uh-huh. take a look at mine. Cause of I course. grew this year, those 
the mammoth sunflowers. Oh, the big-headed ones. The big-headed ones, and they're so beautiful, and I was just so happy. And then all of a sudden, in one day, they just went... The heads went boop. Like yes, exactly. So the heads are facing the ground. Down. Yeah, and it's really hard when they're the heads are that big because they're so top heavy. It's really impossible, I think, to um to keep them okay. from drooping unless you tie each of the heads up individually. Okay. Well, I've got fence there, so you I, do have a tall. And fence, I have a bunch yeah. of cord. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right, cool. Yes. And um, the zinnias are blooming. The black-eyed Susans are blooming. Oh, nice. And I did pamper my asters earlier this week. I threw some fertilizer out. I gave them a big drink because they're getting ready to open up, which is the next big feast for the bees. Oh, cool. It's funny. My asters bloom in June, but there must be different types of asters. Yes, there are. You must have an August aster. Mm-hmm. That's smart to have one in August. That's what I thought at the time I bought them, yes. Yeah. It was very funny when I bought them. I bought them at an O'Toole's, and I had two bushes of them, and they were covered in bees. I put them back of my old Subaru station wagon. I drove home. I opened up the back, and the bees were still busy. They couldn't have cared less about the car ride. Uh. They couldn't have cared less about me. <laughs> That's awesome. It was. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Yeah. So that's what's happening. We're just kind of harvesting tomatoes at this point. Well, in my garden, I'm also harvesting tomato, but I noticed I had a, one of those memories on Facebook where they say, here's what you were looking at last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I had a bigger harvest last year. I think, yeah, I don't have the blooms on my big tomatoes that I had like last year. I think it's those year. days in the 90s when the fruit just was not set. I agree. But it's, you know, it's August, it's near the end of August. Right. So we do have... You know, in theory, another month and maybe maybe four to six right, exactly. weeks Fingers if we're lucky. Crossed. Yeah. You know? um, and even then, I still cover my tomatoes, so maybe we can stretch it to, you know, eight weeks or we'll something try. like that. Yeah, we can try. <laughs> so we'll see what... I have some greenies on there, though, so they're just I have a turning, lot of green so. ones, too. More in the cherry tomatoes than the big tomatoes. Mm, yeah, ag- yeah, agreed. Well, I had... Um, I pickled this week. Ooh. So and I, what kind of pickles did you make? Uh, this is cucumbers. Okay. And I so the cucumbers are coming in really well, and I pickled about six jars, and so that'll be really great to have. And um, last year, I don't know if folks remember this, but I had a very disastrous failed attempt at making my own sauerkraut. Oh. And, you know, w- trying to will it to not really go bad, but it really was bad and smelly and terrible. So, um, Edith came yes. over last weekend and she showed me how, cause Edith is, you know, was born in Germany. Edith is just a champ at making that stuff. Yeah. And she came over and showed me how to do it. I did a smaller batch than I tried to do before. And, um, we really just squeezed the heck out of that. To cabbage. get the moisture out yes, of it? Yes, we squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. Okay. And then we put it in a, in a smaller jar. And then we put another jar on top of it to weight it down. Oh, okay. And and then I covered it with some cheesecloth, so so there right. was still air coming through, but that there wasn't any chance for any bugs or anything to get in it. And right now I'm on day, I'm on day five, I think. Okay. So I might be ready to, you know, I'm going to process it in a water bath and can it up. Right. Well, and you know, you're talking about putting it in the jar and then. And then putting the jar on top of it. Uh-huh. This is the reason why they used to make it in crocs. You know those those crocs that's that you've my, seen? That's what I tried the first time. Yeah. It did not work. Yeah. And then you have to have a plate a that plate. fits just inside of the crock yeah. that then you can put the brick on top of it. Yes. Because I remember my mother making pickles that way. Yeah. That's yeah. what I tried. And I have a lot of theories on why it didn't work. One is which I don't think I squeezed enough because I just it has to be anaerobic. It has to be completely submerged in the cabbage juice right. that you make from adding the salt. Right, right. So, but I think I I think I did it right. Well, I, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. So, yes, many many fingers crossed. Um, and I had a weird thing happen that yes. my peace rose, which always blooms in June, bloomed again. Well, that is interesting. I think what kind of peas? Hmm. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Did you say peas or oh? Peace. Peace rose. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. My pea rose? Yeah. Your pea rose. <laughs> I didn't wash my ears this morning. Yes. Uh, so that, and I think it's because I was very diligent in deadheading the oh, flowers. That makes that makes sense. And yes. friends, if you forget what deadheading is, that just means removing the spent flowers. 
And I also did that with my Jupiter's beard before I went on vacation this year. I did that to my Jupiter's beard this year, too, just out of curiosity. And lo and behold, it's blooming again. Me, too. Yeah. So, again, I have something blooming in August. What I did a, a massive cut surprise. Like a huge, Right. Did you cut yours way back then? I cut it down to like maybe six to eight inches. I will do that next year because, as I said, I did it out of curiosity going, so will this work? Yeah, we're moving, yeah. we moving all the spent blooms. I just took like big handfuls of it and with right. my shears just exactly. went like that. Exactly. And, and now they're, they're they're smaller than they were, but they're still pretty. Oh, that's awesome. So that's a good trick, I think, especially before you leave on vacation because who cares, right? Right, exactly. I pinched back my petunias real hard yes. too. Yes, that works too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point about the Jupiter's yeah. beard. Thanks. Um, okay. Now, if there are terms or words, friends, that you don't understand, please check out our Upside Down Dictionary, which is on our website, UpsideDownTulips.com. If you want to become a member of the Garden Party, there's a link in the show notes. You can check that out. It'll just take you under a minute, and you can get some nice rewards. And um, don't forget to check out what's on our Facebook page, our Pinterest page, our YouTube channel. All the things. Everything. Everything. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. And now we have a brand new, original, handcrafted pod play for the gardener, written by the wonderful Ms. Catherine. And this is for all you fans of Masterpiece Mystery. This is Ms. Marbles and the mystery of the missing zucchini. Dun, dun, dun. Upside Down Tulips Mystery Theater presents Ms. Marbles and the Mystery of the Missing Zucchini, or as the Brits call it, Courgette. Ms. Marbles! Ms. Marbles, help! Please help! Oh, for goodness sakes, Lavinia. What's all this hullabaloo? Please stop shouting and beating at the door. Come in and tell me what's wrong in a more civilized volume level. Ms. Marbles... Zucchinis. Someone has stolen the zucchinis. All of them. What are you saying, girl? Someone stole, nipped, pilfered, pocketed, swiped, snitched, or thieved your beloved zucchinis? All your zucchinis? Well, that's rather too preposterous and absurd for words on so many levels. I mean, who in their right mind would do such a thing? Sit down here. Calm yourself and tell me quietly and succinctly what has happened. I said goodnight to the garden last night, as I do every night before going to bed. So it was probably 9.30 or so, and I counted all my beautiful, bonny, boffo, fabulous, divine, dope zucchinis, as I always do, and there were 37 of them. Then this morning, when I got up to say good morning to the garden, they were all gone! Every last single one of them, all 37 beautiful, bonny, boffo, fabulous, divine, dope zucchinis. Gone, I tell you, gone. But who would, (sighs) why would someone, I can imagine giving someone zucchinis, but to steal, nip, pilfer, pocket, etc., etc. We do have a time limit to this play. Zucchinis in the middle of the night, this is positively baffling on so many levels. Rather like having your car broken into and an accordion being left behind. Come, Lavinia, we must go to the crime scene now. Come! Stay tuned for the stunning conclusion of Ms. Marbles and the Mystery of the Missing Zucchini. So coming up, we'll part two of Ms. Marbles and the mystery of the disappearing zucchini. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know how much zucchini I've had this year, Catherine? No. Zilch. Well, I know you said you got confused about the plant. Yes, I you had the, the right plant. plant. I had the right plant now. <clears throat> okay. And it has bloomed, but I'm not getting any zucchini. You know, on the uh, green belt at the end of my street, 
there is a small stream that goes through it. And I noticed two days ago a big viney thing growing with blooms on it that looks like zucchini. Uh-huh. I went and looked at it today. The blooms have died back. And I swear it either is going to be some kind of zucchini or a squash. Ooh. And I'm just really curious how it ended up where it ended up. Yeah, on the green belt. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, if it's zucchini, will you give me some? <laughs> yes, of course yes, I will. I don't want to have to keep buying zucchini. <laughs> this is a twi- twice a, a row. I think there might be some kind of fungus. Um, going around. I had that with cucumbers several years ago. I could not grow cucumbers. And this year I'm having yeah. a great cucumber yeah. year. Oh, gardens. Gardens, gardens. They're they keep us on mystery. our toes. They do. It's true. It's well, true. Well, let's talk about no dig, gardens. no till gardening. Well, that's, and I'm so glad we're talking about it because I wanted to share with everyone Last March, I was thinking, I have to do something with my front yard. I don't want to keep spending the money to to water it. And I felt like I needed to conserve in some form or another. And I happened to see a show on PBS about no-till farming. And in the process of the show, then they segued into a variety of organic no-till gardening that they do in Japan and the Japanese have really done a lot of work on this. And then they ended up with no-dig gardening. And I thought, oh, my God, this is the way for me to transform my front yard slowly but surely because my first instinct was to rototill the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. And then I went, oh, that would turn it into a, just a a horrible situation because I would get burnt out and I would throw my hands up in the air and I'd walk away from it. It's a lot of hard work. <clears throat> a lot I've of hard work. done that before. My handsome and handy husband yes. still... His, his arms are sore from it. Right, when he exactly. Did it 20 years ago. And I just went, and it's <laughs> going to disturb all those seeds. The weeds will be the ones that come back. So yeah. I discovered this no dig gardening, and I went, this is the way to go. And people may also know this as lasagna gardening. Yes. I heard that phrase. Yes. Or even layer gardening. Yes, layer and, gardening. Um, it's interesting because, you know, if you live or work near a farm, that's what happens every year is you use a rototiller and you till everything up. Yes. Um, but this is exactly what it says it is. It's no till, no digging, which means that this is a, t- a style of gardening where there we are not disturbing the soil through tillage. Right. And there's been a lot of research and exploration about this not disturbing the soil. I mean, in terms of farming practices, I would say probably starting approximately 20 years or so ago on the eastern plains of Colorado and the western plains of Kansas, they started doing no-till farming because there is something about not disturbing the soil. You don't disturb the microorbs that are in it and the natural bacteria that are in it. It holds onto water longer and better, and it takes less water. And what you also benefit from it is the earthworms and the beetles and the grubs that live in the soil, their pathways, their little highways that they create are not disturbed, and they can continue to do all the good work they do. And soil needs those that room that the worms yes. create <clears throat> for water and oxygen to come right. through. Right. And I read something when I was researching more about this that said there is a suspicion that disturbing the earth with a, like a rototiller, actually what you do when you're doing that to dig in your compost is actually you're compacting the earth so the oxygen can't get to your mm. manure to help it decompose. Mm. That makes total sense. Yeah. So, And we've talked about the importance of soil structure on this oh my podcast gosh, before. Yes. And folks, if you want to know more about soil structure, uh, check out episode 29, which is called We Had the Best Dirt on Soil, Get Digging, um, to show how important soil structure is and why soil is alive and dirt is dead. And that episode actually was what sort of started my thinking about what to do different with my front yard and to consider, yeah, different options. And that's again why I landed on the no dig. Well, in addition to, you know, the water retention and the better Mm -hmm. soil structure and the fact that it doesn't disrupt the weeds, so you can weed less, um, when you have a no-till garden, you also are preventing soil erosion. Yes, definitely. And that you will have increased carbon sequestration. And that is the biggest issue, especially when you start talking about on farming purposes. Uh, yeah, that that's a huge thing. Plants absorb carbon from the air and transfer it into the soil. And microorganisms in the soil also store carbon. 
And if you till it, it means you're disrupting the natural cycle of carbon storage and you're releasing all that carbon into the atmosphere, increasing the temperature. Exactly. Yeah. So there's all these good things. It is a little more work intensive on some at the beginning. Right, but not as physical, though, as rototilling. Oh, heavens no, because nor do you have to use the garden fork. Well, what are some of the tools you need, Catherine, for no-dig gardening? You need compost, Mm -hmm. or I use a cow manure compost mixture Mm -hmm. is what I need, because you need something that has some nitrogen in it and something that has, I believe, it's phosphates in it. I've heard it's good to have both. Yes, yes. And you can do one of two things when you first start. Maybe it'd be easier if I just described the way I have done it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I put down, I first of all, I watered the area that I was going to do so that I knew the soil itself was, was well watered because we've been so dry out here in, in and, Denver. And if I'm right, you you did this on grass, right? Yes, I did this on lawn. Did you also cut, I've, I've heard this too, that you should cut back the lawn as short as possible. You should. I started in April. The first patch I did mm. was in April. So, and I, what I did was I watered it really well, and then I put down cardboard that I had saved from all my chewy orders, and then I watered the cardboard really well. It works better, actually, I discovered, if you soak the cardboard in a big five-gallon bucket and mm. then lay it out. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I covered it with about three inches of cow compost materials that I got. Um, and then the next two sections I did, I'd stopped watering that section of lawn. So it had, it had died back, and then I put black plastic over one area to definitely mm. kill back, mm-hmm. especially the bind mm-hmm. And then again, before I laid out the cardboard in the newspaper, I soaked it really good with water. Then I soaked the newspapers. I laid down a layer of newspapers. And then I soaked the cardboard. Can I also ask, it's mm-hmm. important to, what kind of newspaper you're using, isn't it? Well, anymore, a lot of the newspapers are printed with soy ink. But you shouldn't use the kind like the Target circulars. Or no, the no, you shouldn't are... use the slick ones. I, I yeah. use the more porous Newspaper, newspaper. So nothing that has that color slick. Exactly. Print you, you don't on want it. that. You mm-hmm. don't want that. Yeah. Um, so then I soaked. I soaked the newspapers. I soaked the cardboard till it's soaping wet. I lay it out, and you want to make sure that you overlap the newspapers. You want to make sure you mm. overlap the cardboard edges. The first batch, I didn't do that. I learned. And then again, That's I a good tip. <clears throat> I covered it with the second batch. I covered with more. I probably was closer to four inches of the cow compost uh-huh. manure mixture because I know that this the the lawn that I'm covering up it needs as it needs as much nutrition as oh, I can sure. possibly get. And you it. want to block out the light. Yes. So that you yes. are the grass will not come back. Exactly. Exactly. So um it's yeah, so that's that's how I started. I have watered every now and then to help the cardboard to decompose. Um and yeah, and that's pretty much it. The biggest thing is is you, it takes a lot of the cow compost manure stuff on it. I have also heard this too if you're trying to cover up grass that it's a it's a really good idea to sprinkle some lime on the grass first. Sure. Have you I don't heard know that why. I haven't read that, but that doesn't mean that wouldn't be a good idea. Um I think it, 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 it kind of helps break the grass. That would make Down sense. More. Break. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sure. Why not? And then I've heard this too, that if you have um, like hard standing soil, especially if it's really, really hard soil. Right. Um it's a good idea to put twigs down. Yes, that's and, another thing. Yeah, another And that'll process. prevent the pooling of water. Right, right. And that's part of why I had soaked mine gently. Oh, to make I see. It really, yeah. To make the dirt really mm-hmm. as porous as mm-hmm. possible. Gotcha. So that when the materials on top of it started to decompose down, that it could, it could receive it. Because as we know, soil can kind of seal itself off and not take in right. either nutrients or water. That's like those floods in Dallas yes. when the, the ground is so dry and the water has no exactly. place to go. Yeah. And that's why we love it when we get those nice soaking rains. Exactly. Exactly. The dirt can, the dirt, the, excuse me, the soil. Very good. The yes. So, the soil can yes. hang on to the moisture because if it comes too fast and too furious, mm-hmm. it just rolls off. Well, let's hear some more of... Ms. Marbles. Oh, yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we'll come back and talk more about okay. no dig gardening. Sounds like a plan. Have you got the popcorn? 
I'm going to just sit back here and listen. It's so scary. We now return to Upside Down Tulip's Mystery Theater and the stunning conclusion of Ms. Marbles and the Mystery of the Missing Zucchini. Now, show me just where these alleged zucchinis were located. Over here, Ms. Marbles. See? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not a single one. Not a zero zilch left behind. Well, this is a most admirable and remarkable zucchini patch, Lavinia. I congratulate you on your green thumb. You listen to upside-down tulips regularly, don't you? Must be why your vines look so healthy. Now, let's see. What do I see? What do I see? What do I... Mmm... Tiny handprints. Remarkably like raccoons, I suspect. Unless aliens landed last night. But nothing on NPR about that, so probably not. But still, oh, now. These here look like little squirrel feet. Cheeky bugger wankers. No doubt obscenely fondling your lovely veggies by the light of the silvery full moon last night. And... Oh. Oh, now, what's this here? Mm, I see. Why, yes. A human foot? Yes. Looks to me to be a bear footprint, too. Mm, oh, Lavinia, do pay attention and stop yawning and stop that irritating rubbing your thumbs against the side of your dress like that. Oh, oh another footprint here. And here, too. Oh, do stop yawning like that. What has gotten into you, girl? I guess I didn't sleep well last night, Ms. Marbles. I had the oddest dreams. Maybe I just didn't get a good rest. Oh, please, stop rubbing your thumbs like that this instant. Oh, for Pete's sake, let me look at your hands. Lavinia, what is all this green under your thumbnails? I, I... I don't know, Miss Marbles. Let me smell them. Hmm, Lavinia. Let me see the bottom of your foot without your shoe on, please. Ooh, yeah. Hmm, this is interesting, most interesting. Lavinia, my dear, what did you dream last night? I, well... I dreamed Mother and I were putting zucchinis into small bags and leaving the bags on people's front steps on National Sneak Some Zucchini on Your Neighbor's Porch Day. It was such a beautiful full moon, so it was ever so light outside, so pretty as we skipped down the street with our bags of zucchini in hand. And we were giggling as we left the bags at each front door, although it was sometimes more sniggering than actual giggling. No? No, now I think about it. We alternated between sniggering and giggling. Oh, you remember, don't you? How much Mother loved sharing the bounty of her garden with all our friends and neighbors. Yes, I do, Lavinia. Let me ask, Lavinia, when was the last time you ate a vegetable? Well, Miss M, if I remember right, I think it was sometime early last week, Wednesday, I'm thinking. A wee bit of cucumber with my meatloaf. I'm afraid I'm like Mother in that way, and I don't really vegetables all that much, but I do love growing them. Lavinia, when you got up this morning, was that dirt on your feet between your toes? Well, yes, there was, now that you mention it. And didn't you sleepwalk as a child, Lavinia? Why, yes. Yes, I did. When I felt truly troubled by something. Why? Why do you ask? Because, Lavinia, my dear child, I think you went sleepwalking last night. This footprint around the zucchini vines is perfectly yours. Last night was a full moon. The green under your thumbnails and on your fingers is no doubt from picking multiple zucchinis. Thirty-seven in all, I'd speculate. Lavinia, I think last night you slept walk out here, picked all the zucchinis, then walked the neighborhood, leaving zucchinis on doorsteps or by back doors because you, yourself, don't much care for them, but you do like to grow them. Oh, Miss Marbles, you are brilliant. That explains the dirt on the front of my nightgown and why my feet were sore this morning and... Oh, Miss Marbles, you solved the mystery. Lavinia, 
I think the lesson here is for you to listen to upside down tulips more closely, to discover things you do love to plant and grow. You don't have to just grow vegetables. There is a whole world of flowers out there you could be growing instead. Wouldn't you like that? Oh, you're so right, Ms. Marbles. I do love my flowers ever so much. Bones? Can I plant bulbs? Oh, yes, there's a world of bulbs you oh, could be yes, planting. Daffodils? Daffodils? Jungles? Yes. Coming up next on Upside Down Tulips Mystery Theater. Miss Marbles, there's blood on my bedroom wall! Oh, for goodness sakes, Irving, that's where you squashed a mosquito against the wall. For Pete's sake, calm down and speak in a more civilized tone. Well, uh, friends, we're going to talk more about no-dig gardening, and this is the method of adding layers of, of nitrogen and carbon-rich materials um, they break down over time exactly. and they create a rich growing environment above the soil. Exactly, exactly. So you don't have to do that that fork in case your garden fork has disappeared. And so we've <laughs> talked about newspaper. We've talked about newspaper. There's other things you can put down. Uh-huh. You can put down a layer of, I would put down a layer of newspapers. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you can put alfalfa because it's very high in nitrogen. Mm. Um you can put down grass clippings, oh. or if you have weeds you pulled that haven't started to go to seed, uh-huh. quite frankly, if they're green and leafy. And can I just put a qualifier on the uh-huh. grass clippings, which is that if you treat your grass clippings with don't any type bother. of pesticide, no, then don't use it. Don't do that. Only organic matter. Yeah, only grass right. clippings that have had no pesticides right. or and, weed killers on them. And you can use straw, but you need to make sure it's straw and it's not Hey, you know how you okay. tell the difference? One is yellow and hollow. Like a and, straw. Like a straw, <laughs> exactly. And it, it's the stems from wheat and or oats. Yeah. Yeah. This is your Kansas upbringing yes, coming it is. back it is. to it's you, true. right? It's true. And, but be careful when you look at this because sometimes people will sell yes. hay and call it straw. It's true. And so it, if you it, can't yeah. see through it like a straw, otherwise you're planting hay and you will end up growing <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> you'll, you'll get more grass. You'll get, you'll get more, more grass, grass, which is right. probably not really what you were looking for. But yeah, <laughs> straw, good clean straw works well. And then on top of that, you can put your cardboard, mm-hmm. your layer of your card, soaked cardboard, and then your layer of your cow manure. Or if you have a lot of, you know, plant waste, shall mm-hmm. we say, to put down that you put the cardboard on, then you don't have to put as much cow manure compost on top of it. You can put just compost in some topsoil. And this can get pretty high, can it, Kat? Yes, it can. It can be up to, you know, five, six, seven, eight inches because it's going to settle down. Over time. Over just like time. a compost pile, right? Yes, it'll sink. exactly. It'll, it'll sink yeah, down. Exactly. Um, I've also read this too that um, you can... In the top layer, if you have a compost mm-hmm. manure mixture, then you can make little holes in it, like four-inch holes in it, and you can plant, start planting in it right away. You can. The best thing to put is like small small plants, like, like say, small lettuce mm-hmm. kind of things, but you need to make sure then that your top layer of whatever the matter is on top of the cardboard, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that that's deep enough that those little plants can set their little feet down and have a good foothold. It'll take the cardboard anywhere from around two to three months to um, decompose well. Okay. Especially. That's not bad. The more you keep it moist, Ah. the quicker it's going to break down. Boy, you know, I've read that they say you can start this anytime you want. Yes. And you should, if you're thinking about it, you should just start it because the sooner you start, the sooner you have a garden. Right. But it seems to me the best time to do it is now. In August, in the fall. I, I would personally do it. And my plan is to then plant in the spring. Right. I do have a couple of things, well, some tulip bulbs a dear friend of mine gave me. That Who I'm was gonna, that? I'll, her name is <laughs> I hear she's really beautiful. She's very beautiful and has a brilliant podcast. But <laughs> enough about us. Um, but I'm going to plant those. And I probably will have to take my uh, garden knife mm. and make a hole in in the cardboard, yeah. in the material to get down into the dirt. Do you have like a Japanese horn? I have one oh, of those. Oh, that's my favorite garden yes, tool. Yes, I agree. I agree. That and my garden fork. 
Those two are yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah, to make little holes. You know, where I'm yeah. thinking of doing it is because I have this front section. And the past two years, we've said, you know, like, these are our garden plants for the year. And I've said, I'm going to rip up this little section in the front, similar to where yours is, Catherine, because right. it dries up very easily because it's right by the sidewalk. Exactly. And, you know, it, we're right near a park, so people walk by with their dogs. Yes. And instead of the dogs using my neighbor across the street's yard, they come into my yard. And I thought, well, if I have a little barrier... Yeah. That they'll maybe be less, you know, uh, and I was thinking maybe in like a succulent garden might be nice. Ooh, I now that that's there. a really good idea. But it's going to be a big section of it. And the right. idea of the idea of pulling up all that grass, I've done that before, and it just takes hours. No, no, no. Hours. That's why I like the no dig. Yeah, I'm going to try that this yes. year. And <laughs> again, it doesn't disturb the seeds that are already in the ground, the weed seeds that are in the ground, who are opportunistic waiting for the chance. And then... It'll, it'll snow on it. Yes. So it'll get moisture mm-hmm. all year long. Exactly. And um, and it's still, and you can still put wood chips over on top of it if you want oh, it to yeah. look nice. You, you can know, put or... any kind of biodegradable matter on top yeah, of so it, it as long as decent. it's organic and hasn't been treated. Make little, make yeah. little holes for I it. I personally like the cedar um, mulch. Oh, that's a good the point. The shredded cedar mulch. Yes. It seems to hang on to moisture better. The wind doesn't blow it around, mm-hmm. and I just like how it looks. Yeah, it is a pretty yeah. color. Yeah, it looks nice. But I, it, it holds together better than the, the shredded wood does, is my thinking. Yeah, and in a couple months, that sounds great, especially like after six months. So if you, you folks, if you were always thinking like, I want to start a garden or my soil is bad, right? this is something for you to start. Really, you can start this tomorrow, and in the spring, you'll have it all ready to go for you. Right. And you can start with a section the size of your table. Yeah. And you know what? If it's new for you, I think you should start small. I agree. Yeah. Start small. And you want to make sure too, it's a sunny spot, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. because the sun helps with the (laughs) the biodegradable process, the breaking down of everything. Yeah. And if you're doing something, especially if you're doing veggies, but even if you're just doing flowers, I wouldn't have it be more than four feet wide. Because you don't want to step on it. Exactly. Which is another thing to think about when you make your bed. I'm going to put a little strip down the middle of mine because the first one is probably about five and a half feet wide. Uh-huh. I'm going to put a little strip down the middle. So which you can is walk just, in it. Which is going to be just like cedar mulch mm. so that that's, I know, the designated walking area. Oh, that's yeah. really smart. We probably should also talk a little bit. A uh, little do justice to just compost in general when we talk about it. Yeah, Catherine, yeah, I that, agree. I agree. You know, if you're creating your own compost, you can buy it. I tend to buy it. I'm not good about creating my yeah. own. I just, I don't go sure. out and turn the pile. And so. Well, I don't either. And, That's why my compost takes yeah. a year. Now I do it twice a year. <laughs> now I'm really working. Ooh. But if you are thinking of creating your own compost, folks, it's really easy to do. Um, and we do, we do have a episode on making your own compost which is episode way back episode 11 yes uh compost happens how to support the gardens bf and um you could start making your own compost pile but when you'll hear people talk about green materials and brown materials and you need a kind of a 50 50 mixture of both and green materials are going to be grass clippings that don't have any pesticides. Right. In Leaves off mm-hmm. your trees that Coffee are green. Grounds, Coffee ground. Plant trimmings, any vegetable right. excess that you want. And then brown. Cabbage leaves that you didn't yes, eat. Yeah. Yes, right. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, brown is going to be, uh, okay, it can be newspapers. Right. Or autumn dead leaves. Exactly. Straw or wood stove ash. I've heard that that's very good. Yeah, and don't be confused. Wood stove ash is not the same as barbecue briquettes ash. <laughs> right, yeah. Though right. they're not necessarily bad either. And I wanted to add one quick thing, too, to go uh-huh. back to the no-dig bed, uh-huh. is that what you then do annually once you've established one of these beds is you basically go in every spring or fall, if you prefer fall, you cut back the plants, you know, as much as you want, if that's your choice, or in the spring. But you put another inch or so oh. of the cow compost, the cow manure compost. Uh-huh. Combo. But you put, basically, you put down more food. That's great. Think of it that way. You put out more food. Which is just true for every garden. Yes, exactly. Which you, which you should do. Right. You know, some people, Catherine, do not pull up the old plants, and they just cut they just cut off at the stem. And that's basically what you can do, is my understanding, with the no-dig beds. Now, what I'm going to be planting is 
perennial flowers predominantly mm-hmm. and some native grasses. And I may try growing some lettuce or something, but you don't have to pull the whole plant out. Just cut it and you let it You just cut it at ground level. Yes. And let the, and it's which gonna, is so different than what I've done in the right, past. And it's going to break down and be food for all the magic that lives in your soil. Uh, we should also point out that you can do this in any climate. Yes, you can. So if you live, you know, where I used to live in northern Minnesota, or, you know, to my shout out to all our friends in the Phoenix area. Exactly. You can do no dig gardening there. Start anytime. Um, and uh, if you have uneven ground, then you should just even it out. Yeah. And you can fill in. Yeah, yeah. fill in. Like just cut off a in. section and put yeah. a section on top of another. Yeah. But the the trick is when you start, make sure it's moist and you soak your cardboard in your newspapers and you put down a good layer. Think of it as a good layer of sauce on top of your lasagna noodles. Oh, I love it. And let's shout out to the word moist, Catherine. Moist. Moist is a wonderful word. <laughs> I think we've exhausted that topic. Okay. All right. I I dig it. God, <laughs> oh, that's bad. Hey Catherine. Yes, Christy? Guess what time it is? I don't know. It's what? mailbag time. Ring, ring. Because the postman always <laughs> rings twice. Okay. This letter comes from Joan from Arkansas. Okay. She writes, I just read an article about composting after the first person in Colorado was laid to rest with the remains converted to soil as a greener alternative to cremation. In the process of natural reduction, the deceased corpse decomposed over six months in a chamber with wood chips, alfalfa, straw, and microbes. Any comments or insights on this? Accurate or not? Oh, what a lovely letter. And in full confession, Joan from Arkansas is my beautiful and kind mother-in-law. Yay, Joan. Yes, thinking about composting in all the ways. Exactly. And it's interesting you sent this because the first person was laid to rest in Florence, Colorado, this last March at the Colorado Burial Preserve, as I said, is in Florence. Um, And that uh, preserve was uh, founded in back in uh, 2020. Um, Yes. And what I thought was interesting is that this is different. It's a it's a type of green burial, correct? But it's different than say um, a um, what's that called when they put all those fluids in you? Oh, embalming. Yeah, it's different yes. than an embalming free the, burial. Yes, this exactly. process is where the the remains of the person is placed in an air filtered chamber, and they're in an organic uh, garb. And um, it just begins the natural digestion and conversion process. And it takes about six months for it to happen. About six months. And one of the things I read was when completely composted down, the all of the, the product, the alfalfa and straw and, and mm-hmm. microbes and wood chips and stuff that the body decomposes with, you end up with somewhere around a pickup truck's bed full of beautiful, rich compost. That's a lot. I know. Isn't it spectacular? And it also does bones in the teeth, too. Yes, exactly. It does exactly. the whole body. Right. Which I found very interesting. And you and, and, and where this where this compost is laid is, you know, you can't do it in gardens where there's going to be people eating. No, it's it's put in this prairie Someplace preserve. Else. Yes, it's put in this preserve. It's spread out, and it's a high plains prairie. And when you think about it, I mean, that's what we've been doing with human bodies since the beginning of human beings. Exactly. Like, all of a sudden, this this practice of putting people in wooden boxes or even metal. Like, you think about metal all the boxes, wood and the and metal and the chemicals. And then with a lead shroud over it. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. And then, or, or in cement cliffs yes. and things like that. And then the chemicals from embalming that happen. And even from cremation. Catherine, that that creates a lot of emissions into the air. It and, can, And the energy yes. it takes to cremate a body. And so this uses, it's just much of a nicer carbon footprint. And I saw this quote from the Denver Post that was also talking about and it. And that was a beautiful article in the Denver Wasn't Post it? about it. Yeah. Well, I loved this quote from a person who advocates for this. And he said, I recycle. I grow my own food. I compost it. Why on earth would I live this purposeful life? and teach my children these values, and then do something that completely disregards that ecological ethos at my death. 
Exactly. Yeah, it was signed into law here in Colorado in May of 2021. Well, great. Well, folks, if you have other things that you like to compost besides human bodies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a whole other conversation. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Please write to us at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail. We'll take your questions, your interesting stories, your favorite garden failures. Please, please write to us your thoughts, your questions. We'd love to hear from you. It's August and the sun is hot and some of our garden is doing great and some is not. (laughs) We need some inspiration. Catherine, do you have some for us? I do. I ran across this because one of the things I like about August is I noticed that the angle of the light of the sun has changed ever so slightly. Everything that slows us down and forces patience Everything that sets us back into the slow circle of nature is a help. Gardening is an instrument of grace. And that's from May Sarton. Oh, love a quote from May Sarton. I know. It is graceful, isn't it? It is. And it is that whole circle. That whole, it just... Everything yes. comes back around. Exactly. Like we talked a lot about compost today, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well... You've reached the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. Oh, it went so quickly. Yeah, that was super fun, Catherine. Yes, it was. I always so enjoyed it. This is just such fun to do, and I learn so much every time. Either it's the research or things that you share or the letters that come in, Yeah, aren't they interesting? They are very interesting, yeah. Well, friends, we are Christy Montour-Larson and Catherine Gray. And if you've had some laughs and some value out of this week's episode, could you do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the beautiful Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you want more, just go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. And many thanks to the many talents and kind heart of our friend, Lindsay Pierce. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Yes, yay, engineer. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of this show, who I visited just a couple of weeks ago, Southwest Gardens. And join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. Yay! And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down to